You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Who's ready for a big old cup of Crimson Tide to get their week going? We're going to serve it up to you on a Monday edition of BOL Daybreak, part of the Built by Bama online podcast. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BOL, with you three times a week here on Daybreak. This one on Monday, January the 20th, 2020, and as we know, a very special Monday because it is the third Monday of January, which means in the United States of America, we pay tribute to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., whose eternal legacy for a man and a movement whose impacts were global, but certainly closer to home, a name that resonates profoundly in this state, whether you're talking about the past events in places like Birmingham, Montgomery, or Selma, certainly a day in which we want to pay homage to Dr. Martin Luther King. As for Daybreak on this Monday, some various topics to get to. I'll be joined a little bit later by Charlie Potter, my colleague there at BOL, as we'll review Alabama's big win, latest big win on the basketball court in terms of the men's program. This one, a 14-point victory over visiting Missouri Saturday afternoon. Uh, We'll get into some roster inventory. For the Alabama football team, you've got early enrollees on campus. You've got transfer portal news. We'll get into some of the nuts and bolts and numbers involved for the Alabama football program as it sits today, Monday, January the 20th. We'll talk a little NFL playoffs, too. You had some Alabama guys that were a big part of conference championship weekend or conference championship Sunday, anyway, as we get you ready for Super Bowl 54 down in South Florida coming up in a couple of Sundays. So we've got all that coming up for you. But starting with, on Daybreak today, if you were up late last night and you were around the round table, you saw one of those nuggets that will roll out there from time to time on BamaOnline.com. This one from BOL site publisher Tim Watts in relation to the very real possibility, apparently, that former Alabama linebacker and support staffer Freddie Roach may be on his way, if he isn't already in Tuscaloosa, to joining the Crimson Tide, joining his alma mater in an on-the-field role, presumably as the defensive line coach for the Crimson Tide. Now, he has served in that role each of the last three seasons over at Ole Miss And in recent days, it has really been kind of a whirlwind weekend for Freddie Roach, or a week, I guess, or so, who, again, since late last week, he was linked, Freddie Roach was, to the defensive line job with the New York Giants before it appeared as if Freddie, at least for the time being, was going to stick with the college ranks, stay perhaps with Ole Miss. Uh, But it looks now as if, according to sources that Tim Watts Uh, Our publisher there at BamaOnline.com has spoken with here in the last 10 to 12 hours, uh, looking like Freddie Roach may very well be in charge of that Alabama defensive line in 2020. Uh, Assuming that goes down, Freddie Roach would be replacing Brian Baker, who served as Alabama's defensive line coach 
during the 2019 season. Exactly what that would mean for Brian Baker in terms of his next move, that wasn't exactly clear late Sunday night. Uh, But we can tell you this, among the players that Freddie Roach has coached uh, over the last three seasons in Oxford, two of those guys are going to be in Mobile this week for the Senior Bowl. Josiah Coatney and Benito Jones, a couple of two big defensive tackle types, uh, accepted Senior Bowl invitations. And again, we'll be taking part in the All-Star Week workouts and the game coming up this weekend. Pretty interesting sort of path through the college coaching ranks for Freddie Roach. As we know, a really good player at Alabama from 2002 through 2005 was an anchor for that 2005 defense that probably still doesn't get enough credit for how dominant it really was and how much it carried that 2005 team. But you had Freddie Roach and D'Amico Ryans, Uh, as a couple of your linebackers there. You had Mark Anderson as an edge player. You had a secondary with Roman Harper, Charlie Peppera, uh, Ramsey Robinson, Anthony Madison. That was a really good 2005 defense. Well, from his playing days, you know, Freddie kind of took a path into coaching uh, and really got his feet wet as sort of an assistant strength coach under Nick Saban at Alabama from 2008 to 2010. From there, he made on-the-field stops at East Mississippi Community College, Murray State, South Alabama, and then eventually, in 2017, made the jump to the SEC, where, again, he has served as the defensive line coach for the Ole Miss Rebels for the last three seasons, most recently had the title of assistant head coach, defensive line, and recruiting coordinator bestowed upon him by new Ole Miss head coach Lane Kiffin. But that was the word as of late Sunday night that the expectation, very real, that Freddie Freddie Roach, speaking of a coach, Freddie Roach, uh, your next Alabama defensive line um, boss there here in Tuscaloosa. So there you go. That gets you going. That's caffeinated, isn't it? Is that caffeinated enough for you on a Monday morning to get you out the gates? Well, we're going to check in with Charlie Potter next as we get a little bit of basketball talk with Charlie. We're going to get into some senior bowl stuff with Charlie as well. Uh, Some roster inventory for the Alabama Crimson Tide moving forward. We'll do that with Charlie coming up right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Charlie, I suspect and certainly hope you're coming off a uh, a good weekend. It was a good sports weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, you got a pretty packed house over at Coleman Coliseum for Alabama's uh, home game against Missouri. Yeah, Alabama's now won two in a row and you know playing probably his best basketball of the season and then 
you, know, you have conference championship weekend in the NFL and a, a couple of good games. Now we have the Super Bowl, so you can't really – this time of year, I know that college football descended, but it's really good to have playoff football and gearing up for the Super Bowl. And then now kind of you can turn your attention more toward college basketball because you and I both know what we do. That doesn't get a lot of the attention um, you know, in November and December and the early part of January. But now that's kind of come to the forefront a little bit. And as, as a fan of basketball in general, it, it's always good to be able to to watch that and to, to ride a little bit more than usual because football's not taking up as much as your time. Yeah, it was a busy, what, 20 hours or so over at Coleman Coliseum. I did a little uh, daddy-daughter date night on Friday night. I actually got out to my first Alabama gymnastics meet at Coleman Coliseum in probably a decade. And it, it, it's shameful to say that it, it shouldn't have taken me that long, but that's what happens when you have these, these, these little kids, really Alabama gymnastics is about as great a value as you can find out there. The kids love it. You're talking about ticket prices of $10 for adults, $5 for students. So you can't beat it. It's almost like, it's almost like the circus, Without the PETA violations is maybe the best way of how to describe it. And I'm sure the folks over at UA really appreciate that analogy. Um, but no, that was a lot of fun Friday night. And then certainly you had, along with Kirk McNair, our coverage for Alabama-Missouri on the men's basketball front Saturday afternoon. And Charlie, we had kind of talked about this, and I had certainly asked the question throughout the week. Would Alabama, or the latter stages of the week, would Alabama be able to back up that impressive showing in the win over fourth ranked, then fourth ranked Auburn? Certainly not the case this week. Uh, the win over Auburn on Wednesday of last week. Would this team be able to handle that type of victory and push forward and do what it needed to do against Missouri on Saturday? And I would say for the most part, Charlie, Tell me what you think here. Alabama checked all the boxes uh, in that 14-point win over the Tigers from Columbia. I think they did, too. And uh, it was a game where they faced a little bit more adversity. Um, you know, Alabama kind of pretty much dominated that uh, that Auburn game. They led wire to wire. And I had never really felt that out of hand or um, that, that Alabama was in, in trouble of, of losing that game. They were – it was a pretty impressive dominant performance. But in the Missouri game – uh, Missouri came out and shot 31 of 31 from the free throw line, and um, you know Alabama got to the stripe a lot too. Uh, there were a lot of fouls called in that game. Uh, Alabama shot 30 free throws and made 25 of them. I know that made fans happy as well. But you know to to face a team that got to the free throw line as much as Missouri did and made every single one of their free throws to still win by 14, uh, I think says a lot about what Alabama is doing and other a- aspects of the game. You look at it. Uh, I think this is more of one eight. Nate Oates wants to see from his team from a three-point shooting perspective of they attempted 39 threes and, and made 13 of them. I think he's happy with most of them. They might have you know rained back on a couple and maybe drove to the basket and tried to draw a foul because we know that that, um, that was happening quite a bit. But I think just everything else that they were able to do, there's a lot of um, the little things. I think Herb Jones had a, a season-high 39 uh, blue collar points that Alabama hands out and he of course got the hard hat after the game so I think all the other little areas Alabama did a good job in and they came away with a, a double digit win and you know they're on the right track to, to put in themselves back in contention for that NCAA tournament I think this is a really important stretch for them these three games starting with that Missouri game and then traveling to Vandy uh, on Wednesday and then hosting Kansas State in the SEC Big 12 Challenge I think this stretch if Alabama can go 
win four in a row, get to 12 and seven, uh, four and two in SEC play. I think that'll really be big in, in uh, entering a, a really tough challenge at LSU in a couple weeks. Yeah, from a free throw perspective, man, uh, if both those teams had been at the county fair on Saturday instead of Coleman Coliseum, think of the stuffed animals they would have walked out with, Charlie. I mean, it was amazing. I've never seen anything like that, certainly in terms of one team making 31 of 31, but it really overshadowed the tremendous performance by Alabama in going 25 of 30 from the free throw line, including 21 of 23 in the second half and uh the differential and three-point shooting once again works in alabama's favor uh you had all five starters and double figures do you get the sense that from just an identity standpoint that more so than ever in this transition to nate oates just about every guy on that roster certainly every guy in that rotation has a very firm understanding of what his respective role is, although, you know, we still see some tinkering with the starting lineup, too. And I, I think it was a good week from that standpoint in, in making a few adjustments there, Charlie. Yeah, we saw the same lineup, I think, in both games. You had, of course, Kyra at the point guard. Nothing's going to change outside of an injury there. And then we saw Jaden Shackelford kind of rejoin the starters. You had uh, John Petty at the three, Herbert Jones at the four, and, and Alex Reese at the five. And those five players, yeah, they're playing – really good basketball um you know all those guys can can shoot the three and uh, i think with with Kyra's ability to drive the lane and attack the basket he can uh, hit all those guys for for kickouts and and herb as well um you know handling the point i think um you know we've we've really come to understand what to expect from this basketball team just in terms of that identity you were talking about they're going to attempt a lot of threes uh they're going to move up and down the court at an extremely fast pace and I think their defense is improving as well. Um, one thing Natos has talked about a lot is his transi- transition defense. They really want to slow teams down. I think they've they've been able to do that. Missouri's not really a team that's going to run you out of the gym with the way that they play. Uh, but I think they did a nice job of that against Auburn. And um, you know that's an area I think they still want to improve. But yeah, there's just the the identity and, and what these guys are doing. Uh, I think is big. Um, I think a guy like you know Galen Smith and JV and Davis, we've seen a little less of them because they've gone a little smaller. Um, but I think they want to get them involved as well. So yeah, I mean, we've. I just feel like the conversation with Alabama basketball is it's been the same for the last ten years. But now you, when you go to Coleman Coliseum, you know exactly what you're going to get. You're not going to be. You know, wondering, well, I wonder if this Alabama basketball team will show up. That's not the case anymore. You know what you're going to get. I think fans are really excited because both of these last two games, uh, the crowds have been really good coming to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, there's some non-negotiables with Nate Oates, and and that leads to more consistency, uh, especially when you talk about how they're going to play. He can't control how well they play game in and game out. But in terms of pace of play, in terms of whether or not you're going to get back in transition defense, um, whether or not you're going to get up into people in a good stance and guard people one-on-one, uh, the, 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 there are some basic tenets uh, that he's demanding of that I think get this team through some tough spots because, as we've seen, there's going to be nights when they don't hit 13 threes. There's going to be nights when they don't shoot 83% from the free throw line on 30 attempts. Uh, so you've got to have uh, effort and, and, and some some fundamental 
things that you can lean on in those situations. And this team seems to be uh, uh, at the core, at least, built very much that way. And and you talked about the post situation. Boy, Alex Reese and his ability to stretch the floor and the bind, the, the two-way bind he can kind of put on opposing defenses because you just don't look at him and think from 22 feet he's going to make you pay. Uh, then he does it to the tune of four more three-pointers on Saturday. Um, you have to respect that. And next thing you know, you've got a, a lane that's pretty wide open to guys that like to drive it, like Kyra, like Herb Jones, Petty on occasion. Um, I'm not going to say Reese is their most valuable player. I, I don't think he'd be in the top two. But as far as the dynamic and and and, and how much more difficult he makes them to guard Charlie as a team, uh, he, he's he's been key in all that, hasn't he? He has been, yeah. I think he's perfect for what Anos wants to do from an offensive standpoint. I think he's been um, much improved and kind of surprising a bit on the defensive end. You look at what he was able to do uh, in the Auburn game against Austin Wiley. That's a matchup problem for Alabama. And uh, Wiley's a guy that got into foul trouble. And I know he was effective, but um, he didn't take over the game and, and make it close for Alabama. So I think Alex Reese has improved from the defensive standpoint. And I think he's been very consistent on the offensive end of the floor. And yeah, when you have a big guy like that that um, you know can can draw defenders away from the lane and knock down threes and and open up things for his teammates, I think that's really big. And I think Alex Reese. Yeah, I don't. I agree. Yeah, I think Kyra. Um, you know, runs this team. I think John Petty's playing at a, a really high level, and then Herbert Jones just his versatility. But Alex Reese is right up there with that group. And um, you know, if you if you can get a little bit more consistent play from from Jaden Shackelford, especially on the defensive end, I mean, that starting five is playing arguably as best basketball as a collective unit of the season right now, and that's all you can ask for if you're Nate Oates. Yeah, you lose a little bit obviously with your bench when you put Shackelford in that starting five, but Beetle Bolton can still come off there um, when healthy enough uh, and, and out, not in foul trouble and, and certainly give you some juice uh, energy wise and also some, some pretty instant offense on a lot of occasions. So good situation right now for this Alabama men's basketball team. Now, Charlie, we're still sort of in yeah, but mode, aren't we with this team? Because even with the the win over Auburn midweek, even with a validating performance uh, against Missouri on Saturday, Vanderbilt up next. And this is not a good Vanderbilt team. It hadn't been a good Vanderbilt team for uh, more more than a season and a half now. Hasn't won an SEC game uh, since 2018. I mean, we're talking about one of the most uh, prolific Stretches of ineptitude that uh, I can recall in SEC men's basketball. Top that with the fact that Aaron Nesmith, uh, one of, if not Vanderbilt's top overall player, is out for the remainder of the season with an injury. Here's Alabama again, going to a place again in Memorial Gymnasium, gymnasium that hasn't been the kindest of uh, opposing courts. And uh, the expectation is going to be for Alabama to get the job done Wednesday night. Charlie and and I, I think from that perspective, it's it's an interesting challenge once again for an eight oats team. It is, and yeah, I mean Nashville for Alabama is just a weird place to play. Um, they've they've had some weird games. It's it's 
they haven't had quite as much success as the football team has had in Starkville, but you know when Alabama gets ready to go play Mississippi State on the road from a football perspective, it's going to be a weird game. And, and Memorial Gymnasium is the same way. It's just going to be strange. Um, and, and a lot of the times it hasn't been very lucky for Alabama. But I think you know going into this one, Alabama feels pretty good. But I also think when you look around the SEC – uh, there's a lot of parity in the league, and teams are dropping to teams that they're not expected to lose to. We saw South Carolina beat uh, Kentucky. Um, you know, I know Florida hasn't or Auburn hasn't seen a lot of success at Florida, but they you know didn't bounce back from the loss at uh, at Alabama when they traveled to Gainesville. They lost. Uh, Missouri beat this Florida team that just beat Auburn uh, soundly. So I think there is a lot of of parity in the league. I think that's going to be the message from NATO's this week is just, you know, don't underestimate your opponent. They need to stack together these wins if they want to be playing where they want to be playing in the postseason. And uh, I just think that that's going to be, you know, I, I, I won't be there when when Nate Oates is, is speaking to reporters this week. I'll be in uh, Mobile for the Senior Bowl, but I can guarantee that's something he's going to be harping a lot on and preaching even whenever he's speaking to reporters later this week. Yeah, Charlie, uh, you and I, made as many threes against Tennessee and Nashville Saturday as did the Vanderbilt Commodores. Vandy and incredible. We talk about 31 of 31 from the free throw line for Missouri here in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. How about Vandy? Oh, for 25 from three <laughs> against Tennessee on Saturday and a loss to the balls. Now look, you know, um, Alabama fans have seen enough train wrecks for their basketball team, their men's basketball team up there at Memorial Gymnasium mm-hmm. to think that, oh, but this is when Vandy will actually just uh, go go crazy from beyond the arc. And maybe they'll be right, but it, it's not. I mean, there, there's, there's good players on every SEC team. There's at least one really good player. I think Vanderbilt has a couple. Saban Lee would be at the top of that list right now with Nesmith out. Um you know, Scotty Pippen Jr., son of the Scotty Pippen, that's right, just a freshman, going to be a really good player in time. But uh, another another opportunity, and, and not just an opportunity, but if you're Alabama, this is one of those road games you got to get. When you still got to go to LSU, you still got to go to Auburn, um, you got some tall tasks still out there on the road. Yes, you've already been to Kentucky, you've already been to Florida, um, but you, uh, you got Mississippi State still out there, I believe. So, uh, you know, you still got some big road games for this team uh, as we round down, round out the uh, the SEC regular season. Hey, Charlie, um, you did a piece for us there at BamaOnline.com last week. Thought it was uh, very good, very resourceful in terms of where this Alabama football team sits at from a roster perspective let's start just from a number standpoint was there an aspect of your research in putting that together that maybe surprised you in terms of where Alabama currently sits with say its scholarship numbers of course you can have 85 uh, that's the limit Um, but we've also had some news here just in the last couple of days that maybe has impacted some of that too I guess yeah, Alabama's had two guys enter the transfer portal. Um, one was Jerome Ford, the running back, and you know that's that's kind of old news now that he is committed to to Cincinnati, so he won't be returning to Alabama. And I think the guys that you see uh, enter the transfer portal from here on out are guys that are going to be looking elsewhere, and not coming back. And the latest has been uh, Scott Lashley, the offensive tackle, and um, you know, our sister side over there at twenty four seven Sports that covers Mississippi State there. 
reporting that he is expecting to roll to enroll and start uh, at Starkville and join the Bulldogs program and, and new head coach Mike Leach. And I think that's a big um, you know opportunity for him to stay within the SEC and, and get an opportunity in his home state. So you know, he's a guy that's graduated. He'll be a fifth year senior and looking for an opportunity to start. So. Um, you know, you don't blame the guy whenever there's going to be a lot of competition along Alabama's offensive line for what appears to just be one opening. So, um, I, with that, with the, the two latest, uh, transfers, guys that are, you know, going to be coming off the books for Alabama, that leaves them with 89 scholarships and the NCAA limit is 85. So there's still four over. And that number includes the guys that are on campus already, uh, as early enrollees. And that includes the guys that signed letters of intent with Alabama. Um, they didn't enroll early, but they elected to sign during the early signing period in December. So that's nine extra summer enrollees. And I believe it's uh, 13 um, early enrollees that are on campus and will go through spring practice. That's not including the guys that are committed. Alabama has four commitments that didn't sign letters of intent. So that's receiver Javon Baker. Defensive tackles Jason Jones and Jamil Burrows, and offensive tackle Damian George. I know, uh, I believe Hank talked about it on Friday's podcast, and just where things stand with those guys. So we'll we'll see what happens there. We'll see what happens from an um, Alabama perspective of recruiting if they look to to add any more guys to their their list. I know there's still some top targets out there, but they're going to have to have some guys transfer. That's the biggest takeaway from this: is they're four over, and that's without the guys that haven't signed um, added to that mix. Uh, so there's going to be a lot more attrition. Uh, you look at it, Alabama has seven redshirt seniors and a lot of those guys are going to be, um, you know, factors. Uh, Scott Lashley was one of them. So I guess they have six now, but that list includes Miller Forstall. He's a starter. Landon Dickerson. He's a starter. Deontay Brown. He's a starter. Chris Owens. He's a guy that played a lot as a tight end and started the season as a center and maybe could find himself in, uh, in competition for another spot. And the other two are Giles Amos, who's now listed as a redshirt senior and will likely be back. And then Ben Davis, I know a fan favorite out there. So there's guys that are you know on this roster that you can speculate about transferring. But the guys that already have degrees in hand and maybe some guys that just aren't getting a lot of playing time would probably be where I'll look the most. But yeah, just doing this whole breakdown, the biggest takeaway for me was Alabama was five players over the limit. Now they're four. And um, I think that you look at it and you just with this new transfer portal, that's going to be something that, you know, it seems like maybe every other day that news could pop up with an Alabama player, maybe looking to go elsewhere. Yeah. And, and, and it's a revolving door, that transfer portal. And with the numbers that you came up with, uh, at least looking at it right now, it's difficult to, uh, to view Alabama as a buyer in the transfer portal for lack of a better way of putting it in terms of shopping, uh, in the transfer portal, you know, we'll see. Uh, and I'd say as much as, as anything, you, you have to be, and people talk about the transfer portal, like, ah, oh, let's just go to the transfer portal. Well, it, you know, that's, that's a scholarship. And first of all, you've got to have space. Uh, and if you're going to fill that spot, the precious spots you have, it better be with a guy that you feel very certain is going to be of starter caliber. And to Alabama's credit, uh, last year with Lane and Dickerson, I'd say, I'd say it did very well. Um, you know, in the portal. So I, I think fans t- sort of think, well, go to the portal, get three or four players. You know, making the numbers work, it, it, it keeps that from being a, a, a real possibility beyond a player two a year. But it's really good stuff from Charlie. If you haven't seen it, I'm sure you have. But if you haven't, you can still find it right there 
at BamaOnline.com. Now, Charlie, I know you're headed. You kind of touched on this earlier. You're headed down to the Mobile area for Senior Bowl practices this week. An Alabama contingent uh, limited to the defensive side of the ball, Charlie. Um, talk about the the Alabama quartet, I guess it is, that's headed down there and sort of how it stacks up uh, in terms of some projections that are out there for the 2020 NFL draft. Yeah, the four guys that are there, I'm, I'm really interested just to see what kind of feedback they're getting. And, um, you know, you can tell that these guys uh, obviously go into the senior bowl, um, you know, are looking to improve their draft stock and get in front of NFL teams. And it's a really great opportunity for guys. I feel like the senior bowl is becoming not that it wasn't before, but it's just it's becoming the event for NFL teams. There's always you can go and see a who's who of scouts and owners and things like that, even head coaches. And um, I think it's a really good opportunity for those guys. But the the Alabama guys that will be there will be uh, Anthony Jennings, Raekwon Davis, Jared Maiden, and then um, Terrell Lewis, who is actually a redshirt junior. But since he graduated, uh, he was kind of one of the late additions to the roster, and then he'll be down there. And um, you know, for him, you know, he's a guy that elected not to play in the uh, bowl game. I know a lot of fans were kind of you know scratching the head a little bit to see that he had committed to play in the senior bowl. I'll be really interested to see how much he's going to do, um, you know, practice wise and game wise. But I know just getting in front of those scouts and getting to do those interviews, that's, that's big for these guys getting measured, getting them, giving them an opportunity to see you up close and kind of pick your brain a bit is, is huge. And then, you know, I know he's not among the four, but Jalen Hurts will also be there. And um, I think he'll be one of the guys that, you know, when that media day kicks off on Tuesday morning, uh, there's going to be just a swarm of people around him being back in the state of Alabama. So that'll, that'll be interesting in and of itself. But um, I, I think guys like Anthony Jennings and Jared Maiden can improve their draft stock uh, quite a bit. I, I think a guy like Raekwon Davis is someone that even, you know, last season, uh, the 2018 season was a guy that some projected to be a first round draft pick just because of his behemoth size. I think, um, you know, kind of what happens with him will be interesting. And, and with Lewis, I mean, he's a freak off the edge, but he's a guy that has a lot of, um, you know, injuries in his past. So I know that's something, um, NFL scouts and GMs and coaches will be really interested in. So I think the guys that are there, um, are interesting prospects and, um, just hearing kind of what they've, you know, learn this week, whether some of the things they've, they've heard from teams uh, will be one of the things I'm I'm more intrigued to, to hear whenever we get a chance to talk to them. Yeah, for all four of those guys, being on the defensive side of the ball and looking at where they're trying to go, it's all about how they can impact and affect opposing offenses in the passing game, man. I mean, whether you're talking about Anthony Jennings, uh, Terrell Lewis as edge rushers, Raquan Davis is an interior guy, and I think Raquan Davis is probably going to draw some comps to a couple of defensive linemen for San Francisco who are going to be playing in a Super Bowl coming up in a couple of Sundays, a couple of former Oregon defensive linemen that are in that six 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 seven range uh, that have been so good for the Niners this year. Uh, and then Jared Maiden. You know, I think Jared Maiden probably goes to Mobile as a late-round guy at best probably more along the lines of an undrafted free agent, but you know, he's played some different spots in, in his time at Alabama. Uh, if he can show some versatility and some ball, uh, ball, uh, hawking skills there at the safety position, you know, it's a, it's, I would say for Jared Maiden, 
and, 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 and you tell me what you think, Charlie, probably as big a week for, for Jared Maiden as anybody because he, he's just trying to get more on the radar of NFL teams than, than these, uh, these other three guys. Oh, no, absolutely. I think this is a big week for Jared. And you know, his mom uh, messaged me whenever he got the invite, and she was just so excited. I think everyone realizes you know, the chance he has. And, um, yeah, I think he's a guy – I believe he was on uh, the watch list. I, I don't remember off the top of my head that the senior boy puts out a watch list um, you know, during football season pretty early on of, of guys that they have on their radar. And um, Alabama, of course, always has – as a, a big contingent there, but and he's a guy that you know, I thought maybe would get an invitation to the East West Shrine Bowl. Uh, Alabama had a couple of guys there this past weekend, and Shaheem Carter and Matt Womack, and they they seem to have really good performances in the in the practices there. So that's good news for them. But that kind of seemed like where Jared made it would end up. But for him to get an invitation to the Senior Bowl is huge. I agree. You know, he seems like a um, late round at best kind of guy, maybe an undrafted free agent. He goes out, he practices well against some of the best talent in the country. He interviews well and, and impresses even just one scout. I mean, that can do wonders for a guy's career. Um, a lot of guys can go to the senior bowl and, and really improve their draft stock. Um, you go there and there's always guys from small schools. I think you know, do a good job and, and really rise up people's boards. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to go and, you know, work himself into a day one or day two pick, but I think he could, you know, work his way into ensuring himself a, a, a pick on the board. And I think for, for a guy like Jared Maiden, uh, that's a big win. So, yeah, I think it's a huge week for him. Um, a lot of the guys, too, I mean, Anthony Jennings and um, Terrell Lewis, the edge guys, I mean, they're guys that maybe aren't considered to be uh, day one picks. I'm not saying they're going to work themselves into that, but they can do a lot of um, good for their their draft stock as well. So it is a big week for Jared Maiden, no doubt. I think probably the biggest week for him. But the the other guys can do a lot of work in terms of moving up boards uh, down in Mobile as well. No doubt about it. And a little bit of a tough break for defensive guys this week, more so in terms of the game itself, and, and maybe that impacts workouts too. You're limited defensively in what exactly you can do with blitzing and different packages you know they like to keep it really basic for for pretty obvious reasons but um you know i'm sure though in practices they'll be able to to work some guys in some different ways to to find out exactly where they're at in terms of versatility within their skill set it is daybreak here on the built by bama online podcast we get out of here on this monday morning charlie were you surprised by the events of conference championship Sunday? Uh, pretty much went to chalk there with the two home teams, the Chiefs getting it done against Derrick Henry, Rashad Evans, and the Tennessee Titans, the Niners uh, getting it done uh, against the Green Bay Packers. That means Reggie Raglan, in terms of active uh, 53-man roster guys anyway, that's going to be the limit of Alabama's participation in the Super Bowl in a couple Sundays. But um, interesting matchup, Charlie, in that you're going to have one team that threw, I believe, Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes on Sunday, <laughs> the whole game. And uh, you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side. He'll throw eight straight passes in a possession. Uh, so they say styles make fights. And I think it's going to be a fun one when you get that that defense of San Francisco against that offense for the Chiefs. 
Oh yeah, no doubt. From a matchup standpoint, those two sides of the ball, that's going to be a lot of fun. And you couldn't have you know two teams who are more different than the ones you have in this game. And I, I think that how it shook out was about how I expected it to go. Um, you know, I know the the Titans built a, I believe it was a seventeen to seven lead, and then um, kind of pissed that away. And and the the Chiefs with the offense they have, they're just so hard to stop. They're they're kind of a lot like LSU this season. It's just you give them a window and, and they're going to break it open. And, um, you know, with that, that kind of limited uh, Tennessee and, and didn't allow them to to run Derrick Henry, which is their bread and butter. I think he had seven yards in the second half because they're having to throw the football as much as they uh, they had to to try to catch up. And that's just not in their cards. And the other side, I mean, um, San Francisco has been dominant all season and they've kind of been that, that blue collar approach is the same blue collar approaches Tennessee's had, but they've had, arguably the league's best defense all year long and, and that will be a lot of fun to watch and yeah, you mentioned Reggie um yeah, he's the guy, only guy that's going to be on the field I know a lot of guys have been screaming at me on Twitter about Gary Dieter but Gary Dieter's on the practice squad which means he won't be playing in the Super Bowl um I think another Alabama tie though that's really intriguing is that D'Amico Ryans is the 49ers inside linebackers coach so he'll be on the sidelines calling um, or helping those guys out from a defensive standpoint, and you know he's a guy that be a lot of a lot of fun. Really cool to see him to to win a ring uh, in the in the NFL. So uh, there's there's plenty of Alabama ties. Maybe not as much as we've seen in the last couple seasons, but um, you know a guy like Reggie, you know who's one of the the guys that myself and my fellow beat reporters always enjoyed talking to. It, it'd be cool to see him hoist that Lombardi Trophy, no doubt. Yeah, the 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 Niners gonna kind of try to do it like the Titans did it with Derrick Henry. And what a heck of a run by Derrick Henry, especially over the previous eight games before Sunday's loss to the Chiefs. And you said it, um, you know, for reasons really outside of his control, it wasn't as big a day for him. Uh, I get the Chiefs defense some credit for that. But the Chiefs showed you offensively, they're more than just a, a, a bunch of explosive plays. They, they certainly can do that. But the third quarter, when they were able to take seven minutes off the clock with a drive there to go up two scores, um, that put Tennessee in a really tough spot in terms of uh, feeling like it could kind of stick with Derrick Henry in the run game at that point. And so, uh, no doubt, I think we got the two best teams, just like we did in the college football playoff. Uh, same thing playing out on Sundays at the professional level. That's going to do it for a Monday edition edition of bol daybreak here on the built by bama online podcast keep it locked to BamaOnline.com. we've got you covered throughout the week you're gonna have charlie potter down in mobile alabama a good bit this week for senior bowl practices uh, you're gonna have continuing recruiting coverage you know that with hank and tim because we're rapidly approaching that late signing date not a ton of targets that alabama uh, remains involved with but certainly some very very important ones so you're going to want to hang around with us for that as well. For Charlie Potter, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again for joining us here on BOL Daybreak, a part of the Built by Bama online podcast. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.